This is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, and this episode is an interview with Aditya of Elephant Learning, and Elephant Math is the program. So I, I had a hard time with this one. They had reached out to me asking to be on the podcast, and or someone had reached out on behalf of them asking to be on the podcast. And I was hesitant because I try to avoid ever endorsing any particular curriculum or program or software, anything, because it's, there's, there's so many good ones. There are so many that are mostly the same. And what works really well for one person won't necessarily work really well for your child. So I'm always hesitant. Um, I decided to go ahead and try it, interview them. I'm not sure I'll interview another program. I just wanted to, you know, do something a little different. So first of all, I am not endorsing this product. I'm also not saying don't use it. I'm not saying it's a bad product at all. Um, honestly, I have not used it firsthand. They didn't, you know, give me a trial or anything. So I, I haven't used it firsthand. I can't speak to how well it teaches anything. All I can do is share this interview with you and kind of share some thoughts based on what I had kind of researched about it and kind of where I landed on it. But um, it just, it, it would depend very much your specific situation as to whether or not this would be a good program for you. So listen carefully and, and, and you can come up with your own, own ideas on that. So I did want to share my thoughts in general. I do think that there are some definite pros to this program. They are very focused on having a lot of data and so that you are able to look at exactly where your child is at in their program, what skills they are working, your child is working on, how well your child is doing on it, whether or not your child is struggling in it, when your child might need a little help to get through that particular skill that they're not understanding. Um, so there are some pros there um, with that data. It's also individualized. It's not that every five-year-old gets the exact same program. It's based on how well, you know, where your child places in their initial assessment. And then what do you, what do you need? What, you know, and what else do you need going forward? Like, you know, where are your gaps what, or where are your child's gaps and what can they do? What do they need to work on? Um, it's very focused, it sounds like, it's very focused on the mathematical language and teaching kids that mathematical language. So if that's something you think your child needs a little bit more of, that might be a good choice for you. And they also offer support um, where you can, from what I'm understanding, again, this is all just from what I'm understanding. I can't guarantee any of this to be true. Um, what I'm understanding is you can call them and talk to like their coaches and kind of get ideas on how to help your child understand this math concept that they're really struggling with. So, which can be very helpful and effective, right? Like, I don't know how to teach this or my kid's not understanding it. What do I do now? They can help walk you through what to do next. Um, so, but of course, if there's pros, there's got to be cons. Um, I am not clear, first of all, on whether or not it actually teaches math. It, it sounds like it teaches definitions. And Aditya talked about their process was definition, then recognition, and then demonstration. And that was kind of the three stages for each concept, if I was understanding that correctly. Um, so again, that definition piece sounds like it's very focused on math language, which Aditya talks about, you know, the importance of that in understanding a teacher. Um, and I just worry that some kids need a little bit more of a foundational understanding of of just what the concept looks like, regardless of what language they speak or where they are in the world, that like universality of math. I want them to, to be able to play with that a little bit more and have that experience a little bit more. So 
Um, some kids need a little bit more time with the, that like visual math or kinesthetic, like really hands-on stuff. Just understanding in general what's happening in a very real way before necessarily attaching the language to it. Some kids need that language first. Some kids need the language at the same time. And so again, that's where I'm saying every kid is different. The approach they need is different. What works really well for some kids won't work very well for others. Um, so so it, it um, anyways, it's, it starts with that discovery and, or that definition rather than that like hands-on discovery or visual discovery. There's another program that uh, my students in the public school use called ST math. And it's in some ways, I think of it as like almost the opposite, where it gives no language other than before you click on the puzzle you're going to do, it'll give you the name of that puzzle. So that'll give you an idea of what you're working on sometimes. But other than that, there is no instruction. It doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't talk to you at all. Like you do a visual puzzle and you get a ding when you get it right. And other than that, it's silent. <laughs> and you're trying to get this little penguin to run across the screen or to go up the screen or wherever you're trying to get the penguin to go. And it's not through like solving math problems, but like it's genuinely like a puzzle of like, what am I supposed to do to get this to do it? And it's all to teach these like math concepts in a very like visual way. Some kids I've noticed do really, really well with it, partly because of background knowledge they already have and a strong mathematical foundation. Other ones just understand quickly what it's looking for, what it's asking for. They're very visually based. And then if I try to teach them something that they've already practiced in ST math, they'll be like, oh, I did that. And now I'm teaching them the name of what they already did and already learned. So that's kind of what I'm saying. Sometimes that visual can come first. But I have other kids who make very little progress in that program because it's so visual and that's not what they're used to. It's not their strength. They're having a hard time with it and I'm I'm having to shift things around for them. Um, so again, even though this program is individualized, it's the fact that it's a program and it teaches the way it teaches or it practices math the way it practices math is not individualized, right? They have their way of doing things and it may or may not work for your individual child. Um, and kind of what I was mentioning is with that data, if your child isn't making progress, it does require a parent to teach it. I have yet to find any program that teaches something, like a math concept, teaches a math concept, and then if the child doesn't understand it, that it then teaches it a different way and then a different way and then a different way. There's all these different programs that all teach it different ways, right? Like, so if we can mash them all together and put kids through the same concept with different language and different, different visuals and different ways of explaining it, our kids might not then need an adult to step in and explain it to them. Because what I've found is some kids can learn from this program and they can't learn from that one, or they just need it retaught in another way. They just need a couple of exposures that are a little different. They don't want to hear the exact same thing over and over and over because they just tune it out as soon as they start to hear it. But if they know it's going to be different, a different explanation or an ex extra example even, I think our kids would be able to access this a lot more, especially those of us who have slow processors. They need a little more time with that same concept and maybe the exact same methodology, but another example and another example and another example until suddenly it clicks and now they can do it on their own. Whereas most of the software I've seen, it gives instruction, one example, now you do it. Oh, you don't know how to do it. Let me show you that instruction and example again. Now you do it. Oh, you still don't know how to do it. Let me go back. And they just keep showing that same <laughs> beginning and they don't get into new examples. And that's what I would love to see. New examples and also new ways of teaching it. And that's what's 
what you really lose when it's not one-on-one -on -one instruction with a with a human I mean because the the in the tutor the teacher the parent can kind of un talk to the child and understand what are they not understanding what piece is confusing them what do they understand and then go from there and make adjustments from there and so far our AI is not at a point where that's uh, happening. Although it may very well in the future. Um, so like I said, it's a con, but it's a con that all the programs have. Any, any software has that program, has that con. So it's not anything specific against Elephant Learning and their program. Um, one of my other concerns is that they're claiming that in three months, your child will make one and a half years of growth. And this isn't a con, like that would be great. Um, I guess the con is that I'm not sure if it is a con, <laughs> kind of a play on words there. Um, I'm not sure that it is validated by outside. Now they've said that their initial placements are validated by outside measures that people will say that their child was had scored and it sounds like more informally that people are just saying their child had scored at like a second grade level at at the school and then on elephant learning they also scored in the same at the same level basically so it was validating their initial score the part i'm not convinced on is that one and a half years of growth because if one and a half years of growth is, well, you got through 120 puzzles, okay, did they make a one and a half years of growth? If I do an outside measure again, does it show that they're now at a mid third grade level when before they were at a beginning second grade level? Does it actually show that one and a half years of growth? And I had tried asking it on way back, like, probably close to a year ago when I first saw Elephant Math on Facebook in an ad, I was like, I tried asking them this and they didn't really answer me. And I tried asking Aditya and I didn't get a clear answer. Um, so you can listen for that. Maybe I wasn't clear in my question. I'm, I, I'm not sure, but um, I'm still not clear on whether or not outside measures would confirm that you actually, your child would actually make a year and a half growth in that three month time. Um, or if it's just that they've worked through enough puzzles that they're claiming that to be a year and a half of growth and all, your elephant age has gone up to that. I don't know. <laughs> um, and just in general, it's not, it's not suited to children with learning disabilities in general. Um, they have a lot of kids with learning disabilities who use it and have had and have found success, but it isn't designed with any particular learning disability in mind. So it may or may not work for your specific child. Um, so the reason I'm playing this interview, um, as awkward as I feel about it at times, is that I do hope you get something out of it. Some of the things that I hope you get out of it is just math in general. What should math instruction include in general? Um, and then specifically for this program, like, do you think this product would be a good fit for you and your family? Have you been considering it? Have you seen those same Facebook ads that I've seen? And, you know, have you thought about doing it? If you have it, please let me know how it's working for you. I really want to hear your thoughts and, um, and, and see it in action. When I've tried to find videos and stuff, I didn't get a lot. Um, and I also want you to just use this as a framework of what to consider when you're making your own choices about purchasing anything like this. If you're deciding on whether or not to buy specifically a math curriculum, but even other things, some, one thing I would really watch out for is that emotional appeal that they'll often make. And in this case, it's that guarantee. Oh, your child is guaranteed to make a year and a half growth in three months time. And that's why I pushed back on that because I haven't gotten a clear definition. Because I want it guaranteed that if my child 
is tested in the by the school before and after the three months that the outside the school's test will say one and a half years growth or my curriculum's test or whatever other measure I don't want it only to be their measure that's saying my child made a year and a half of growth um one of the pros I forgot was that a lot of kids do seem to enjoy it and it does seem to be engaging for them I have some concerns that it, the gamification can take away intrinsic motivation, but I do think that they have some things in place to build in intrinsic motivation. Particularly that data can be very motivating for kids to see their progress. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little there. I just had that spark of memory. Um, what to consider in making these purchases? Think about your specific child. What kind of math instruction would they thrive on? Do they need a language-heavy Math instruction, do they need a language non-existent math instruction? Do they need something more in the middle? Do they need something that is not computer-based at all? What do they need? Do they need something that's entirely computer-based? Do they need a tutor? Or do they need, you know, what do they need? Think about your specific child in all of this. So, I, without further ado, um, I will play in just a moment. All right, slightly further ado. After you listen, I do want to know your takeaways. Um, like I said, if you are using it, please email me and let me know your experience and what your thoughts are. Um, and then I would love, if with your permission, I would add your review to the show notes or to the webpage of um, the blog part of the this episode so that people can kind of get an idea of real experiences from people who've actually used it. I didn't want to pay to use it, so I didn't sign up for it. Um, and then also just let me know what your takeaways from this interview were and whether or not you would want any more interviews like this. Right now my plan is to not do any more product interviews, but if you found it valuable and you're interested and there's something specific you're wanting me to look into, go ahead and reach out to me and let me know. Um, your thoughts on all of that. So Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. And without further ado, this is my interview with Aditya. Hello, Aditya. Welcome to Decoding Learning Differences. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Oh, <laughs> you're good. Um, you are our first person representing a company that we've ever had on. So it, I'm excited to and hear a little bit about kind of your philosophy around math, but to start with, I just wanted to let, um, to get some background on you and as well as the company and, and kind of your, your overall philosophy in math. Sure. Well, first I'm, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Um, let me tell you first a little bit about my background. Um, I've got a PhD in math computer science, University of Denver, 2008. Uh, got an undergrad in 2001 math computer science. Um, I've worked at companies such as Lucent, Technology, uh, Lucent Technologies, um, Lucent Technologies, Dish Network. Um, I've worked on atomic clocks. I've worked on embedded uh, like set-top boxes, IoT projects, uh, websites, iOS, Android. I've done basically anything you can imagine as far as coding is concerned. Um, but on top of that, PhD specifically in mathematics and algebra. And um, from there, I started a contract software engineering firm. But in 2016, I was approached by one of my professors um, with a project that we were going to do with the, with the National Science Foundation money. We never got the grant, um, but it's National Science Foundation research. And it's research from the University of Denver, Toyota Foundation. And basically, uh, what it is, is that like, um, four out of five students start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. And like, this is the graph. I'm going to put it on the screen for the people who are um, watching via video. But like, basically, it all happens uh, along income lines. And it's the top 20% of income earners that enter prepared because they can afford to send their children to preschool. And in preschool, they ensure that the student understands the standard. And the standard is basically that the student can count to 10. And what it is, is that the parent, and 
I'll be honest, I thought this as well. So it's not like I'm not included in this group uh, prior to starting this project. Um, but the parent thinks counting to 10 is the student saying the numbers one, two, three, four, five to 10. And um, the school defines it as can you slide over 10 things and stop on 10? So you ask for 10. And the student truly understands 10. And there's a noticeable difference there, right? In one, the student truly understands what 10 is. And in the other, they could just be saying words. Right. So ultimately what it is, is that the students enter at again, the rate of 80%, not understanding the teacher. <laughs> now, because, you know, for whatever reason, um, the bureaucracy is set to make sure students don't stay in kindergarten. This is something that doesn't happen in Europe, right? They, they fail someone in first grade if they don't understand first grade so that they go back and actually understand it. But students tend to continue along in our education system for whatever reason. I, I can speculate I have maybe a handful of reasons that I've identified, but ultimately what you see on the screen now is the end result. And basically what they're looking at is a graph that shows that the percentile at which you enter the education system is the percentile at which you exit. And the underlying thing that would cause that, which is just philosophically true, is that if you don't understand the teacher, the education system doesn't work. But if you understand the teacher, because you can notice that the two top lines for the two top income earners are actually moving in an upward direction. If you understand the teacher, well, then the education system works. And so what we decided to do was we decided to put together a program using advanced algorithms that adapt to the student and um, a curriculum that focuses on the essential topics taught as a language so that there's an understanding when the student enters the classroom. And the end result is, is that we have um, students that are learning about a year and a half of math over the course of 10 weeks when they use our system just 30 minutes per week. Um, when the project came in, we, they only had kindergarten math and um, they were using it 50 minutes per week. They learned on average a year. When we looked at it, we made it more effective. We really focused on effectiveness and we were able to get it so that they're learning quite a bit more in half the time. And as a result, over 130,000 students have come through our system. We've taught over 158,000 years of mathematics and we measure performance on each student based on the language, but also based on common core standards. And we've, we've basically narrowed it down to a one number metric, which we call the elephant age. It's the average age that a student outside of the system is doing the same math as your child. So basically it's really easy to understand like where are they conceptually? And like, how are we gonna get them caught up? Because our reports tell you like, what are we working on and why? And, um, and we do that in video format. So like, that's like what would be teacher training for continuing education for say a kindergarten, first grade, second grade, et cetera, teacher, we cover now through algebra. And um, basically when you watch it, not only do you understand what we're trying to get across to the student, you have, uh, methods of doing so and activities you can do outside of the system to you know, show these things happening actually in the real world. Everything happens for the student as a gamification. And um, that's, that's kind of basically it. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed you're talking about is that, you know, those who go to preschool have this understanding of the that one-to-one -one correspondence, knowing that when you're counting, it's this is, you know, each object has a number that. Um... That's, that's not specifically. So it's a, it's a production of, a, of, a, of an actual number. So like the one-to-one -one correspondence kind of maybe is a piece of the recognition or a piece of the counting. So like the action of counting, but it's an actual recognition or production of the number 10. So like they're able to produce 10 things. So give me 10 things. Right. They give you 10 things, they stop at 10. Right. Right. Um, it's, I guess my, my question though, was you're talking about 
those who go to preschool have that success. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are people who choose to homeschool. And I also know that, you know, your, your software is kind of targeted towards some homeschoolers as well as schools. Do you want to speak to that difference at all? If there's any difference there between how it um, would work? Yeah, well, for homeschoolers, this is actually, you know, a wonderful product because like we do now have a teacher product for the classroom, um, but we designed it for the parents. So like coming in as a parent for the homeschool teacher, not only are we providing the software, but we're also providing a coach over on our side. And I, you know, like we want to be respectful, right? But at the same time, what it is, is that we've kind of worked out the processes for the most effective ways to teach these ideas. And our main focus is getting the student to understand you when you're giving your lesson so that, you know, there's less frustration, there's less communication problems, there's less memorizing of like, how do I do this? And less questions of how do I do this and more productive of, oh, I see how that's a different strategy to accomplish the same goal. Right. Um. But let me clarify the, the the homeschool, the parent product for homeschool is perfect. The teacher product, which because sometimes we've had homeschool people come in and say, I want the teacher product. It's really designed for 30 students. So you're getting these graphs that help you identify out of 30 students, where should you focus time? So that's, okay. it's a different thing. Right. Um, now you, you talk about like the gamification part of it. And I guess I have some concerns because when I hear that, I think about rewards and I worry about losing intrinsic motivation and interest in math and replacing it with extrinsic motivation. What does that gamification look like? How does that, how is that utilized? That, that was, that's a beautiful question. Thank you for asking that. Um, okay, so we paid a lot of attention to this in the very beginning. Again, our mission is to empower children with mathematics and you can't empower children with mathematics if you're disempowering them with incentives. So basically initially what it was was like, um, and, and again, right, this was a completely different product. We've kind of reinvented the whole thing. But when the project approached me for the kindergarten stuff, um, there was like this bus and there was these sheep and they'd get in the bus and then the bus would drive off and the whole thing took 30 seconds. And uh, the professor said, the kids love it. And I go, yeah, but that was 30 seconds. Like, think about this. We spent five seconds answering and then we watched an animation for 30 seconds. Now for a young child at two, three years of age, answering the counting question, obviously might take them about 30 seconds or 60 seconds. We see about averages in there to be perfectly honest with you. And it's totally okay. They should take the time to do it. Um, and so like what we did is we made it two seconds and we've had people call in and tell us, you need to add more. You need to add like this or that. But we're basically letting the student know when have you accomplished a milestone and when have you got it right by showing them the two second animation? It's a slot machine, right? Like it's a random reward. And at the end of the day, um, the real reward, the real score is the elephant age, is the age. So like you see the graph when you log in, the child can see the graph when you log in. And by the way, it's always going from bottom left to top right. So they're always motivated to come back and do more on their own. Um, and then we allow the parent to motivate on the outside, however they want to. And so then the motivation becomes the coach's job, which is whose job it should be. So the way to think about our system is like the basketball hoop. We're just the hoop. We're the gamification of mathematics. We're going to let you know whether the ball went in or not, very politely. And that's it. And so, like, um, ultimately, you want the mathematics to be what's motivating them. You want them to have that love of problem solving to motivate them to solve more problems. Because in the end, the main thing I've gained from mathematics is that ability to solve the problems and the ability to see things like we're talking about right now, look at all the research, bring in all the facts and chart away through it. Right. Um, so, so it's, they get something right, they see a little animation and then they're also just watching their 
their own graph of improvement and seeing that go up. And, yeah, and we also tell them when they've passed a milestone and when they've completed a subject, you know, like they, we're, we're informing them what's going on and we're doing it in a rewarding way. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I also wonder about how how well it's actually like is it actually teaching the math or is it practicing math um and like you also talked about that it it can pair with the coach doing stuff outside of the program which I do definitely believe in math being very hands on especially with the little ones but even even the older kids benefit from those like hands-on manipulatives. Um, so it's more about portraying the idea. And the real challenge is with mathematics is they actually have to exhibit the idea. Now we do it in like three phases. We do it with the like first definition. So we're telling them what is the idea. Second with recognition. And I'm going to show you how this works with counting because I think obviously like the real value is, is if we can get all four-year-olds to count to 10, before kindergarten in the way that I'm about to say, then guess what? We solved this problem, game over. Like you don't, maybe you don't even need my system, right? But that's what it is. So first I have one block, I have two blocks. And think about this from a language perspective and you're talking about a three-year-old, this is how you teach them the colors. This is a red block, this is a green block, right? They start to understand you're talking about the quantity. Then the question is, can they recognize it? Um, and so then that looks like, how many blocks do I have? And then finally, the demonstration of understanding is them being able to use the idea to solve a problem. Give me 10 things. They slide over 10 things, they stop on 10. Okay. And if you, and if you do it in that progression, it works. We just happen to be able to do that for all the concepts that are essential between counting and algebra. And, and by the way, we've had 12 year olds test in at the third grade level and testing out in the third grade level outside of our system, like the parents writing in the scholarship application. My students testing at a third grade level, then we go and look, yeah, our system detected it. But within three months, three to six months, they actually catch up to their age because they still had those mathematical experiences in the classroom. It's just now they make more sense because we've given it like a visual, physical, you know, digital physical type representation. Yeah. Um, so there, there's so many different ways I want to go with that. Um, one of them is I did have a question on that assessment piece is I, I guess I get skeptical and question the assessments that are just within your system and because I've seen it with other and I not directly to yours but I've had experience with other programs where they'll test the kid in here and then a few months later they're testing them here but our own testing in a you know standardized test they've barely made any progress or maybe even have not made progress and so I'm wondering do those kids or have you done research on not just whether your tests are showing that they're making progress, but whether outside tests are still saying that they're now at grade level. Or yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. sorry. I didn't mean to. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so like the questions that we're asking uh, basically correspond to a standard. Now, you got to remember, we're not covering all standards, we're considered supplemental. And so like, it's very possible that a student could go through our system, be able to participate in class, but maybe have missed some of the things prior to when they used our system, right? And maybe they needed those things to answer some questions on a test. Now, what we are happy to do is we're happy to get on the phone with you. We're happy to look at the test and we're happy to coach the student because when I say we're covering the essential topics, it's very easy to connect these topics that may be on that test back to one of the essential topics that we see in our system. So like bringing it back now to the placement exam, because I think 
That was the actual question. What we're actually doing then is we're actually testing them out of the subjects. So we're giving them the problems, which then represent ex exhibition of the standards. And in actuality, we've had third parties double check this. And the way that's happened is that many people in our system have like children that may be four or five years old that are working on something like fractions, decimals and percentages. And actually my friend Andy, uh, and he's, we've got like the testimonials so like, we can send it to you if you'd like. Um, but like his son was not in the gifted and talented program um, for some weird scheduling reason. And he was able to petition that they give him the test and he sent them the, our reports. And I believe they logged into our system and they checked what are the questions that the student answered, right? They, that then caused this report to come out. And it, it's demonstration again of the concept. So they're saying, well, they're demonstrating understanding of fractions, decimals and percentages at four years of age, five years of age, that's kind of top 1% type stuff. Yeah. But you know what? Four-year-olds can do that. That's the whole thing. The research coming in and the reason why I did this, this thing is because I know this is the right thing. Four-year-olds during play exhibit concepts as advances, multiplication and division. I'm happy to send you the paper that says that. Um, as young as, I'm sorry, I said four. <laughs> I, have, I need some water. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to start over. I know there's no editing, but I'm just going to start over. <laughs> Children as young as four exhibit concepts as advances multiplication and division during play, but it's the adults in the room that do not believe the children could understand it, that do not label the concept. So if we were labeling the math out loud as human beings, our children would be better at math. The challenge is, is as society came about, and this is what my mother told me, so I'm not blaming anyone, right? We said, do the math in your head. Don't do it out loud. Probably because during a business negotiation, you don't want the numbers being said aloud. <laughs> so, um, what was I gonna say? Um, okay, so just to switch gears a little bit. So if parents are like, this all sounds good, but can't I just do it myself? What can parents do themselves other than making sure that their four-year-olds are able to count out a set of objects or from a set of objects, give them a, a quantity? Yeah, I mean, we cover from counting to algebra. The, the whole idea is, is that if I can help society by giving that information, I'm happy to do so. They can totally do that by themselves. They've been doing it for thousands, maybe tens of thousands of years. Um, look, I, I think that like, if parents could teach one and a half years of math concepts in 22 and a half minutes per week over 10 weeks, then they should totally go do that. And I'm not trying to plug the product I told you beforehand. That's not what I'm trying to do. But like, look, we've gathered all the materials for you. We have PhDs in mathematics. My only mission is to empower children with mathematics. Like, I'm just here to help. If you don't want it, don't take it. Okay. Um, so if it, I, if a kid is not understanding the, some of this stuff that they're going through in the program, they get the definition and they don't really understand it. Is there something in there that's cueing the parent that they didn't understand the definition stage? Is there extra definition stages or anything like that? Okay, so this is what we do. And I mean, it's worked phenomenally for the parents that do it. And we've also added our own coaches. We're happy to do it for you. So like you're 100% supported. Look, we understand. We've seen the statistics. 50% of Americans have math anxiety. Doesn't mean anything. It's okay to have math anxiety. I saw a person the other day. She said, I hate mathematics. It's okay to hate mathematics. I mean, I love mathematics. You hate mathematics. Michael Jordan loves basketball. I'm not a big fan, whatever, right? Um, but it, like, here's what it is. We have a history screen and on the history screen, you can see what the, what the student has answered correctly or incorrectly. On the first screen, you can see what sub, which subjects we are saying that they're struggling with. So then now you can go to the history screen, go straight to that subject and like 
oh yeah, okay, I see. And you can hit try. Now that allows you to try it in parents mode so that you can get a, a visual, like just the exact same experience as the student to understand what is the idea that we're trying to get across so that you can start to get an idea of what the student doesn't understand. And so then like if a student is struggling, we detect it, we send you an email with this video that is the why method, which again, I'm happy to give to everyone for free. It was given to us. Basically it was like, how do we, how do, we do this if the student is having a problem? Do we try an automated way? And the answer was no, because um, whatever the percentages are, there's three or four variations on what it could be, and you don't want to get the wrong one, right? You want to be able to communicate effectively the first time if you can as a coach. And so like the why method is what we give you. And the why method works like this. You let the student answer the question incorrectly and just be completely calm. Let them do what they're going to do. And then you ask them, why do you think that's the right answer? And what happens is, is they, whatever they tell you then gives you a big hint into what they don't understand. And now you can either clarify the definition or give them a hint if you see the opportunity. It's better to give them a hint because if they get the aha moment from thinking, they can never forget that. That's a great experience. And they feel happy. They get rewarded from the problem solving. But sometimes it is a clarification of the definition. And um, I'll give an example so that like everyone Everyone just completely understands what I'm talking about. Um, we had a parent call in once and they weren't able to identify exactly what. And I said, well, tell me what's happening. Why did they say? So like the problem was there's two columns and um, one column has more items than the other. And it says, which column has more, how many more? And I said, okay, so like, which one was he choosing? She said, um, he was choosing, um, what, wait, he was saying the number in the column that was more. And he said, because it's the column that had more. And I said, okay, so in this particular case, I guess there's nothing you can do but clarify the language of when we're talking about how many more, we're actually talking about the difference. And I mean, you don't have to call it difference if you don't want to. If you can use the word difference, why not? They should learn that word as well. And so like, um, it works every single time. And now they understand the idea. They understand the concept. They understand you when you're teaching your lesson plan to try to meet whatever standard or test or whatever's going to happen next. Okay. Yeah. I, I, um, I definitely agree with always asking those questions and getting them to, to try to figure out what is that and have have those ahas themselves that definitely is much more powerful yeah. than any any kind of lesson where we're trying to just teach to them well you're direct you're you're directly addressing the misconception right and so that's that's the most powerful method of reaching understanding yeah um so do you think so i mean you mentioned that your your software is supplemental so it wouldn't be replacing a curriculum. They would still need a math curriculum outside of what you're offering. Um, I'm wondering if it would be like, would this be a good supplement to people who really are fans of like Khan Academy or Zern or um, Prodigies I, isn't really, from what I've seen, isn't really instructional. It's just like a quiz embedded in a role-playing game from what I could tell. I mean, some people say that about our stuff. Yeah. But the role-playing game piece, that's very confusing by the way. I, I, did, I did see exactly what you're talking about. It's like, I don't know if it's beneficial to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to dog them. But like to answer your question, I mean, yeah, like if you're watching instructional videos online, again, what I'm telling you is I'm going to help your student understand what that person's saying. So we communicate in language. And the problem is, is if you don't understand the jargon that the person in the video is using or the professor in the classroom is using or the teacher at first grade is using, well, then it's not going to be a great experience for you. Like, look, at, think about the end result of this It's part of the reason why we have so many people homeschool, right? The end result is like, hey, the student doesn't understand the teacher, they're bored in math class. And so like, yeah, why don't we just bring them home and work with them one-on-one -on -one directly 
we're gonna, they're going to have a much better experience. It's going to be a much better experience for me too. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing that I wanted to ask you about that you keep talking about the, the language and the jargon. And I guess I've always thought of math as more of like a number sense and conceptual and not, not as reliant on the oh, language. So, so hold on there. When you say conceptual, you're speaking about the language. So let me explain to you how this works, right? Somewhere in a, in a university, there's a person writing a paper and they have to come up with a name for this thing. And they're not going to call it the language of mathematics because as a thesis name, that doesn't sound as cool as conceptual mathematics. And conceptual mathematics just sounds so great. Their colleagues are going to look at this. The other grad students are going to look at this. You see what I'm saying? When you're talking about a concept, you're actually talking about the language. The concept of addition is the idea of giving me more, right? So you're watching Leapfrog. That's what they're telling you. When I add, I get more. It's a great song. It's wonderful, honestly. I watch it with my five-year-old. So like, we have to like get on the same page about this. If they don't understand the concept, what's the point of memorizing your multiplication tables? When are you gonna use it when you don't know when to use multiplication? And they're saying that to us. They're literally asking us, when am I ever gonna use this? And that's a sign that they didn't understand what it is because otherwise they'd be seeing it everywhere. And that's part of the reason why we tell parents, we only want the children to use it 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day, three days, three days a week, because then they see the ideas out in the real world. And our testimonials say so. The testimonials are saying, my child is talking about this stuff at the dinner table. They're adding things on the dinner table. They're seeing the ideas at play everywhere around them. Um, that, that, I guess it's still, I'm still a little bit confused. Maybe it's like, I feel like I understand that it's important to have that name tied to the concept, but I feel like the concept doesn't necessarily have to have the language behind it. Like you can just visually know, like, you don't know that it's adding by name, but you know that if you have this and you have this and you put them together, now you have and if you have three and you have two, and now you put them together, now you have five. Well, so you understand yeah, look, that concept. This happens. I guess that's what I'm thinking about with conceptual. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Look, this happens intuitively in mathematics all the time, especially when you get to where I've gotten, right? Like I had to name ideas, but that's the point. I can't communicate the idea to another human being unless I name it. The yeah. jargon is important. That's why businesses have jargon all over the place. That's why industries have jargon all over the place. If I can't communicate it, you can't learn it. And look, if I'm talking about addition in the classroom and you have the intuition around the addition, but you haven't connected it to the word and I'm writing it up on the board, what are you getting out of it? This is a very important piece of the puzzle. It's the piece that's missing because we're questioning it. But clearly it's on the surface. You have to have the language. If you don't have the language, we can't talk about it. If we can't talk about it, we can't advance it. Multiplication is repeated addition. If I can't define it that way, what do I do? Yeah, I guess I guess I just like I've seen I've seen examples that are more visual based, but I think it just depends on the learner. Like some kids seem to be benefit from the more visual representation of what's happening, mm -hmm. and then others are more language-based and talking about it, it works a lot better for them. Ma'am, I, I think you're not catching what I'm saying, right? As the homeschool teacher, I have to be able to speak about addition. As the coach in the room, I have to be able to speak about addition. As the teacher in the classroom, I have to be able to speak about addition. I have to be able to. So like, I get that like the visual stuff is important because that's what we do. It's a puzzle. You solve the puzzle, it's visual on the screen. I'm agreeing with you, right? But at the same time, what I'm saying is, is that like, as a human being, if I'm not able to communicate with the student about it, even though they understand it on the screen, that's why, that's why we take the spoken language in our system so seriously, right? Like uh, we put in fail safe for it being read aloud to the nth degree. Like if the voice online from Google fails, I'll use a voice from the Android itself. It doesn't sound awesome because I just switched voices and typically Android has horrible, horrible voices. But in my opinion, it's so much more important for me to read aloud what's happening 
so that they can connect the words to what's visual on the screen so that they can then understand the teacher in the classroom so that then the education system can be effective for them, whether it's the homeschool parent or the bureaucracy. All right. All right, it sounds good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to make sure we covered. I think we went over most of it. Is there any last thoughts that you want to give the parents when they're thinking about approaching math with their kids? Yeah, let me think here. Yes, um, you gotta be forgiving of mistakes. You gotta treat it like the basketball not going into the hoop. The kid might get frustrated, it's totally okay. Whatever emotion they have is totally okay. We can't make being wrong wrong. If you make being wrong wrong, well then you can't learn from being wrong because you're stuck in the emotions of being wrong. Right, right. I hope, listen, this has been a lot of fun. I hope any of this stuff just gives the world some niceness, some truth, some love. Yes. Um, I'm always all about education for the greater good of the world. So I love that. Um, and I also definitely agree. We have to, mistakes are great. Mistakes are how we can learn and grow. And, and we need to appreciate that. And all emotions are valid and need to be affirmed. Um, all right. And then if people want to know more, the, they can just look up Elephant Learning. Is there anything else, any other contact information you want to share? Yeah, I mean, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I guess I just hit accept to anything that doesn't look like a complete scan. Okay. All right. All right. It sounds so great. Thank you so much for your time, Aditya. Thank you. I'm so glad you had me here. This was so much fun.